वेलकम टू सिंह टॉक दिन टॉकर्स अराउंड द टेबल टुडे डिस्कस दिक एंड ऑर्डली विल थिंक अबाउट के ऑस एंड वेदर इट कैन एंड शुड बी कंट्रोल्ड आर ऑब्जेक्ट्स ऑफ नेचर फंक्शंस ऑफ ऑर्डर और ऑफ के ऑस इज आर हार्ट बीट के is our solar system chaotic our clouds and weather orderly is chaos the same as disorder does self interaction make systems and circuits chaotic why is chaos theory necessary to understand the world does chaos precede all creation is it possible to achieve pristine order and under what conditions will we be able to predict rain several days in advance in the future why are some systems extremely sensitive and what is the long term future of our understanding of chaos we are pleased and privileged to have three sin talkers with us here today professor somitro banerji he is trained as an engineer but after 23 years of teaching electrical engineering at iit kharagpur He moved to basic physics and is now at ISR Kolkata. Professor Rama Govind Rajan, she works in the area of fluid dynamics and is nowadays interested in geophysical flows such as clouds. She is from ICTS in Bangalore. And Dr. Arun Ayer, he teaches philosophy at IIT Bombay. So Somitra why don't we set the ball rolling with you um maybe get this out of the way is is chaos the same as disorder um or in a somewhat rigorous strict sense the physicist in you makes a distinction between the two how 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 is a chaotic system different from a disorderly system if at all there's such a thing as a disorderly system yeah the word disorderly is rather badly defined yeah so it's not a technical term it's not a technical term of course but we have intuitive feeling of what disorder is mm-hmm. and thermodynamics has a relatively more rigorous definition of disorder something that has larger entropy right is more disorderly than something that has a smaller entropy but even that is some kind of a gradient i mean there's no yes yeah now chaos is essentially a behavior where uh it is not periodic it is not in that sense orderly mm-hmm. uh it is aperiodic and apparently it looks like noise system so it looks like noise a signal that is chaotic looks like a noise signal and in that sense it can be said to be disorderly but that is a you know scientists speak in more rigorous definition uh what we say chaos essentially we mean a system which does not have a stable periodic or fixed point behavior yet the system does not collapse mm-hmm. the state does not run to infinity mm-hmm. and effectively you have a infinite periodic behavior or a periodic behavior of the system this is something that can be intuitively understood there are more scientific definitions of it but this is where i'll i'll initially uh, say this is how chaos is understood so chaos is 
something that looks disorderly or what do you what do you mean looks um, looks because you, you don't mean visually right because there are all kinds of systems that don't look like anything i mean no, just... when when i when i mean uh, looks essentially where we have a experimental system then we sense certain variables of it mm-hmm. and we look at the graph of those variables now when we look at it look at the graphs these might look somewhat like noise somewhat disorderly but then we analyze it and we find that these systems are actually completely governed by well defined sets of differential equations so does it like, have a peculiar kind of math underlying uh, it no nothing peculiar about the math itself mm-hmm. so these What, are regular differential equations just differential equations right uh differential equations for example of a double pendulum right. looks nothing peculiar So double pendulum would be one pendulum suspended yes. by another. One pendulum from suspended whose, from the bob, bob of the other. Another pendulum is suspended. Right. So that system's differential equations is nothing uh, peculiar. Right. It's straightforward, but even something like that, it appears is chaotic. Is chaotic, yes. So the systems themselves need not be complex, complicated. Mm-hmm. The equations need not be complex, complicated. Mm-hmm. Yet, some systems have this character. They should be nonlinear. That's necessity. should be nonlinear systems uh then there can be this kind of behavior resulting from the differential equations themselves again going back to this double pendulum shomitro so what is it that is nonlinear like what is that variable what do you plot what looks noisy what do you plot what's the equation for like? example, what's the left hand side for example in a pendulum you have the angle theta Yeah. In a double pendulum, you have two angles, theta one and theta two. Right? Sure. So you might plot a graph of theta one versus theta two. Right. So that at on, any on position, on one axis we have theta one, theta on the one other, yeah. and one axis we have theta one, another axis I have theta two, and then the positional status of a system will be a point in Correct. that space. And as the pendulum moves, and that graph looks noisy but is chaotic. Yes. Interesting. That graph will be chaotic. now the reason the the way to understand it more accurately scientifically is that if you start from two arbitrarily closed initial condition mm-hmm. that evolution will be different mm-hmm. this is called sens- sensitive dependence on initial condition that's right. one of the hallmarks of chaos right this is the character that makes prediction impossible over a long range in case of chaotic systems so even though chaotic system may look uh disorderly there is a fundamental difference between chaos and noise yeah both are disorderly but noise is something that is not result of a state of differential equations while chaos is it can be represented in that sense chaos is said to be deterministic it follows determinism doesn't violate determinism however prediction is almost impossible yes that's interesting that's right and rama we'll get to a lot of the work that you've done but um as you've gone about analyzing some of these systems in nature um and we'll get to clouds and others because they are the answer is slightly more obvious or at least known are there systems that you look at and feel like hey this should be chaotic but you explore it and you find find that it's not and vice versa are there surprising non chaotic systems are there surprising chaotic systems you know what i mean yeah in so nature. 
So in fluid dynamics, there's lots of examples where the system is non-linear, uh-huh. but is in what is called as a laminar state. So uh, you do not see any chaos. It's completely predictable. So that depends on the initial uh, Reynolds number that's given to the system. So these are so, just somewhat more viscous systems, or it yeah, calls slightly for more viscous, slightly more small scale things right. like that. So there are uh, several systems which obey the same very non-linear equations but do not display chaos. So I mean, how does one have an intuition for this, Rama? Maybe you do, so we're just trying to tap into that a little bit. So when you say very small scale viscous systems, what could they be? Do they exist in nature? Like what do you have in mind? Yeah, so uh, if you take a small pipe and you uh, put flow through it by applying a pressure difference, Hmm. then flow can be laminar. At the same time, you keep increasing the size of that pipe and flow becomes turbulent. And turbulent is uh, chaotic. Yeah, turbulence is chaotic. Turbulence Would you equate equate the two terms? So turbulence is one kind of chaotic system. It's far more complicated than the average chaotic system because there's this thing that's driving it called the vorticity. Mm-hmm. So you can think of turbulence. So it has a whirlpool kind of. Character. Yes, yes. You can think of turbulence as a bunch of rotating systems, which we'll call vortices, mm-hmm. which actually are elongated structures. Yeah. So these are whirlpool-like systems, Rama. Yeah, I would call them something exactly like that. So one everyday example is a washing machine. Mm-hmm. So when you switch on your washing machine, there's typically a drum or one uh, thing which rotates. Mm-hmm. So you are physically putting energy into a large scale, mm-hmm. uh, namely the size of the washing machine. Whereas if you could look at all the water and analyze it, you actually cannot see it with the naked eye. You will see lots of pasta-shaped structures of all sizes right. inside this. That and get formed. Yeah, they get formed automatically due to the um, force balance equations. And uh, these pasta objects are actually rotating each at its own characteristic rotation rate. And so each one is causing the others to move around. So it's like a big bowl of pasta of different sizes and shapes who are asking everybody else to uh, turn around in this completely mad way. So in that way, that's a very special characteristic of turbulence, which is not there in the average chaotic system. So when you say that turbulence is one kind of chaos, what are other kinds of chaos? And we don't need to do any enumeration here, but... Uh, what would be other kinds of chaos either? I mean, are there other kinds of chaos within fluid dynamics itself? So, um, irrota- Or by and large, you would say that turbulence is it. As so far as- in irrotational flow, which is the opposite of what I was talking about, it's harder to create chaos. Hmm. But of course, in non-fluid dynamical systems, such as what Shomitra was uh, describing, there's uh, no need for vorticity to create chaos. Right. Right, right. But in laminar, so when laminar flow becomes turbulent, mm. does some kind of vorticity end up emerging or so, there's some other route to turbulence there? So laminar flow is also vertical. Mm-hmm. Uh, but w- the, what chaos does typically, when you have a transition to chaos, right. what you typically have is that you create all length scales. Right. You start with one length scale, one typical kind of vorticity and that creates many other scales and this is just a characteristic of any nonlinear system because when you have a linear equation you can describe it by individual sets of waves 
Whereas when you have a non-linear system, you have waves of one wavelength talking to waves of another wavelength. So the interactions. Interacting and giving energy to each other. Similarly, uh, frequencies in time. So you create a very broad spectrum which is not there in laminar flow. And as if one tries to visualize this, uh, it's visual enough, so mm. that's not so much a struggle. But in the case that Somitro just spoke about, we were trying to plot theta 1, theta 2 in a way, and you were trying to plot that on a graph. Mm. Um, what does one plot in your kind of instance? Because obviously you can't plot one individual particle or an individual droplet or something like that. So yeah, what is could, the graph like? What, what do you graph out over there? You could plot any number of things and you would get very similar answers like mm-hmm. you could plot one component of velocity against another right. uh, one velocity is one at one place versus velocity at another and so is there uh, some kind of a model system like we came up with that uh, double pendulum in the case of somitro is there is there a small unit uh, in in your world in the world of fluid dynamics which one can say is displaying turbulence or chaos so, yeah, the Lorentz attractor is a very good example of this. It's a caricature of a fluid dynamical system. It doesn't really, right. uh, you know, represent any particular fluid dynamical system very does, well. But, so, uh, does Lorentz attractor exist in the world? Uh, different at- attractors exist in the world, but the typical turbulent attractors are much bigger in dimensional space than a Lorentz attractor. Sure. Interesting. So, we'll, we'll, we'll come to your world, Arun. I think we had thinking of this in in the world of physics um what is chaos for you and you know as as we try to reflect on this a little bit philosophically do you see this as being on the opposite side of order or what what exactly is it yeah it's interesting what uh, rama and somitro have been trying to say from their discussion and this is a very instructive discussion i gather that somehow chaos is understood if not entirely as disorder, at least in terms of disorder, you know. And it was very instructive to see Professor Shomitro make a distinction between uh, noise and and chaos, you know. And the idea is that, you know, chaos is something, what would you say, strange in this sense that it lends itself to articulation, in this case, articulation in mathematics through differential equations, but at the same time, it is not predictable, you know? So it's a, it's a, it's an interesting phenomenon, you know. But it's if an you interesting look, kind of entity. By entity, itself. exactly. Yeah. You know, I want to actually point to the fact that if you look at the first instance of the word chaos, chaos is a Greek word, and you find it for the first time in Hesiod's Theogony, and Hesiod is basically giving us a description of the creation of everything, and he's being sung to by the muses and the muses tell him protiston chaos genet what does that mean in the beginning chaos came to be and not only did chaos come to be chaos was followed by gaia the earth and eros love so these three principles if you may put it that way yeah they were not generated as a result of copulation Everything else is a product of copulation and a copulation between Eros, Gaia and chaos. And chaos is not disorder 
for the Greeks, or at least this original understanding of chaos. Chaos literally means a yawning gap. A yawning gap. A gap that cannot be understood spatially. The Greeks mm-hmm. don't understand it in terms of space because space comes later. It comes after the copulation between... What do you mean by yawning gap? It's some, some, some kind of emptiness? It uh, is some kind of emptiness, maybe. Yeah, it is some kind of emptiness. But it's maybe, also but fecund in a certain kind of way because it seems to be a precursor to creation. That's exactly what I want to stress, actually, that it is, what would you say, a state that is not dynamic in the sense of there is no movement, but it is dynamic in the sense of it is rich in possibilities. You know, because the possibilities that it engenders here are gods, mortals, and everything that comes to exist. So chaos is strictly speaking originally not disorder. It is, as you say, fecundity, you know, a kind of primordial fecundity, a kind of primordial richness. Chaos as disorder, it comes into being only with modern physics, you know, because with modern physics, you know, you have an understanding of natural phenomena in terms of causal order, you know. And so causal order requires you to specify initial conditions. And so you have Laplace's demon and all that, because if you can specify the initial conditions, then because there is a causal sequence... You can say that sequence, past is determining future and so on. Exactly. But, you know, I want to pick on this notion of gap. And, you know, for example, if you go to your world, Rama, and think of the fluid dynamics But let me just make one small point before we move move ahead. It's interesting because modern physics is very different from, say, ancient physics, Mm -hmm. you know? So Aristotle's physics, for instance, Mm -hmm. has an explicit chapter devoted to chance, 2K. So physics incorporates chance, you know, something that cannot be predicted, something that cannot be articulated in any kind of a pattern. Would you say that chaos theory is incorporating chance in some way? One has an intuition for quantum mechanics, but uh, I'm just trying to see whether chaos theory is a candidate of sorts for... Well, uh, if you look at Newtonian mechanics, it has a, a structure. The structure is that given a system, the scientist's job is to predict its future. And to do that, he writes down the differential equations, plugs in the initial conditions, solves the differential equation, you get the future state. So that is a paradigm that was created by Newtonian physics. And you also have this notion of state in a way. You go from state one to state two and so on. State essentially means... That's what you mean by dynamics, right? You're always going from one space to another. Number of variables you need in order to uniquely specify the dynamical status of the system. That's the state. Now the point is that if this... uh, And that is why, as uh, Arun was saying, that Laplace said that give me all the initial conditions of all the particles in the world and, and give I'll me enough computing power, I yeah. can predict uh, infinity into the future. Right? right. Now, this paradigm essentially means future is predictable, which means future is uniquely determined by the past, which means effectively predeterminism. Whatever is happening now is caused by or determined by the state of the particles, say, 1,000 years back. Which so is that might be true, but it might be very difficult or impossible to know the initial state. Yeah. The fact no, which, that is the, which is the sensitivity point that you were making? The fact that you had just said these words was caused by certain vibrations in your vocal cord. Sure. And that was caused by something, the, the position of the moment of those particles 
1000 years back it's <laughs> it's it's obviously a absurd proposition so something needs to be done in order to get out of it right chaos provides a way of getting out of it so long as we are in the domain of pure classical mechanics as was known till 1950s there was no way to get out of it so everything is predictable at least in theory and then lorenz comes and yeah therefore if every if it's really so then the whole world is predetermined now when chaos came we understood that no it's not so even though the equations can be written even though we can plug in the initial conditions even though we can solve the equations still we cannot predict because of the sensitive dependence on initial condition so this is something that we understood learned and knew no i think the question and i'm sure you have thought of this shomitra the the it is dependent on the initial conditions and the sensitivity is there it's fine but if you know the initial condition then you know the future right now it may be very difficult to know the initial conditions precisely because just hmm. you know or not all numbers are whole numbers and real numbers there may be rational numbers number of decimals matter and things of that sort um so what is the difficulty with the difficulty is with measuring the initial conditions or the difficulty or there's a problem with the differential equations and how we lay it out there are two difficulties a we have to measure the initial condition that means suppose i want to predict the future of the mars now in order to do that i have to measure the initial condition the position and the momentum now in order to do that when we do that we do that measurement there's always some error so there would be some error in that supposing you agree with that ramma yeah that is true and besides that even if i had this ideal instrument which would measure it accurately up to n decimal places say 20 decimal places i would still go wrong because i did not know the 21st decimal place so all measurements have a so it's it's, it's an accuracy problem yeah resolution so i need it's infinite, a resolution problem i need infinite decimal places to get it infinitely right and i will never have that why do you never have that uh for two reasons why do it, such instruments don't exist uh well that that is a fact of reality we cannot really have infinitely <laughs> accurate measuring instruments arun has the answer i don't have the answer but i've got some interesting thing to say please please go yeah. ahead sir the 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 other thing that i would say is that if you understand that we cannot measure something with infinite accuracy we cannot specify a value with infinite ac- accuracy because then you will need a infinite number of digits of course then you understand that effectively we can only define a ball in which the initial condition would be somewhere lying but i do not know where it is i can only say that there is a ball there's a collection of possible initial conditions right now when you apply those uh, equations and solve it starting from all those in set of initial conditions now that set changes in shape size structure it elongates in some direction yeah. folds in another other directions yeah. so all these things happen and that is what leads and to and there are all kinds of forces i mean you may abstract it only to gravitation or something but interesting no i get it the thing that we want to explore rama if possible and you know i just want to pick this gap word that arun brought about and then no i just for, for, i just want to yeah, say something please. about this notion of measurement and hmm. the notion of trying to articulate initial conditions you know it seems it seems that the presupposition that we are making here is that nature out there you know which is unmeasured is somehow there to be, be measured, measured you know and somehow it is a fault with our instruments you know we have not come up with a sufficiently accurate instrument or we as human beings are f- in are finite and so we are not able to measure it but 
I would like to but put Arun, it in a different no, way. It's a possibility. There's no way to be confident about the opposite either. That's exactly what I'm saying. So this might be, this might have to do with the very nature of reality itself, you know. And that's what makes chaos theory far more interesting to me. It kind of translates the measurement problem into a reality problem. What if reality itself is such, you know, that initial conditions will never be accurately measured. So this has nothing to do with us. No, this has nothing I, to do with our I measuring mean, instruments. This like is a certain idea of reality and we must come to grips with this. See, the idea of reality that Newton or Newtonian mechanics in its pomp was trying to kind of go by was somehow nature was there to be measured. No, we've but definitely moved away from like there in the last uh, 300 exactly. odd years. Exactly. Um, what is your intuition in this? Do you so think the one thing I can say uh, in answer to this is that suppose you had an instrument which measured, let's say, 20 decimal places, like I said, and then you could make reasonable predictions for a certain length of time. And afterwards, you would go haywire. And then you come up with another instrument which measures now 30 decimal places. And then you actually are giving the right answer for much more time than before. Correct. So this is an indication that it's not quite nature which is stopping at 20 decimal places or nature which is not there to be measured. But nature but may be asymptotic. There may be yes. a way in which... You yes, know, you we can never say that. We can only test it asymptotically with better and better instruments. But whatever tests we do now seems to indicate that nature is there. But on the basis measured. of what we know today, and you know, some of you are on the cutting edge of chaos theory and fluid dynamics. What is your intuition? Do you think it's a instrumentation problem, it's a measurement problem, or it's that's how I'm not trying to corner you into a philosophical position on this? But what's your intuition on this? May I say something on that? Yes, of course. Yeah. Uh, what Rama said is definitely a important point that if we are able to measure to certain decimal places now and mm -hmm. we are able to measure to larger decimal places tomorrow, it means that the nature out there has a value and we are getting and getting better and better, better, at, and better at measuring right? it. Yeah. But what Arun said is also true in the sense of quantum mechanics. Say a particle, sure, an electron, it at any point of time does not have a well-defined position and momentum. Yeah, that yeah, exactly. So, so that there is a fuzz in which somewhere the position lies, somewhere the momentum lies. And when we make a measurement, we sort of, there is There's a, a sampling of sorts in a very narrow region. But yeah, yeah there's a sampling source. There's a chance factor there. Yes. Because you do not know which one you will actually ultimately pick up. There's a finite probability of the position being some value, some momentum being some value, and you do pick up. So in such case, in that sense, quantum mechanics also provides a way of understanding why the world is not predetermined. In a very general way, Somitro, I mean, and you know, it looks like some kind of indeterminism, measurement problem, chanciness is getting incorporated in a general way in both chaos theory and quantum mechanics. In what way are they different? Chaos theory, they do very different things. I totally yes, get it. Yes. But in what way is that incorporation different? Chaos theory depends on classical laws. Where you have the classical laws leading to nonlinear differential equations, a subset of that will develop chaos. Right. While quantum mechanics, the laws are perfectly linear. Right. There is no nonlinearity there. there. But there's something crazy there, no? Because this, at the smallest scales, it's linear. It's a linear and craziness. And when, when you come to the macro world, it becomes nonlinear. And it's it's linear craziness, you can say, <laughs> <laughs> because because the uh, see everything in quantum world are uh, in terms of probability, and the probability develops or evolves 
following the Schrodinger equation, which is perfectly linear equation. So you have a situation where we have a superposition theorem holds, right? which means that things are linear, and therefore you cannot, in true sense, have chaos in a quantum system. But still you have the unpredictability yeah. in the sense that things are only defined in terms of their probabilities. It is never defined in terms of certainties. Do you use probability theory in chaos theory? Uh, yeah, you can use probability theory in chaos theory. Uh, but before that, I want to make a point about linear equations. Now, mm -hmm. there are these equations called the Stokes equations, which are perfectly linear. So this is at zero inertia. Mm. And uh, there you can get chaos, although the equations are perfectly linear, because the way, let's say, a bunch of small particles is sedimenting in a fluid. So their, uh, their behavior is extremely chaotic. Uh, and this happens because the conditions elsewhere are changing. Although your velocity field is a linear superposition of what each particle is doing, effectively the interaction of these particles is becoming nonlinear. Right. So then you have a lot of nonlinearity in this system, although the velocity field can be linearly superimposed. That is interesting. So you cannot think of it at the level of the system. You have to think of it at the level of the variable that you're talking about. What is gap? I want to come back to this. Is there an equivalent of vacuum in there? Uh, for us, it's all matter. We can interact. I mean, like there can be uh, fluid on one side and vacuum on the other. But effectively, the equations are all Newton's equations. So those are written for things with a mass. Is there an equivalent of a black hole? In, in in fluid dynamics? I mean, black holes are, you know, uh, fluid dynamics does play a role in uh, the evolution of black holes. But uh, in everyday fluid dynamics, we don't have something exactly equivalent to that. Interesting. And if we think of this aspect, Rama, where, you know, you, meant, you made this point about laminar becoming turbulent and turbulent becoming laminar, how exactly does that happen? What is it a result of? Which is, I mean, another way of saying what exactly makes systems chaotic? Why are systems, some systems chaotic and some not? I think we have a grip on what chaotic systems are. Okay. But what makes systems chaotic? Okay, so this is actually a very interesting question, especially in the fluid dynamical context, mm -hmm. uh, because uh, there are these several very well-known routes to chaos. So how a periodic system becomes chaotic. So it becomes less and less and less orderly in some sense right. until it becomes completely aperiodic. So one of the ways to chaos is that the period becomes longer and longer and then it becomes completely aperiodic. In uh, fluid flows, the interesting thing is that there are laminar states which are fairly easy to calculate. Mm -hmm. There are turbulent states which are not easy to calculate but they are all similar to each other. Mm -hmm. But the route from laminar to turbulent can be vastly different. And this depends on what each flow is sensing and what it's going through. So I'd like to first emphasize that it's exactly the same equations, Newton's laws, namely the Navier-Stokes equations, which are giving you both the laminar solution and, and the, the turbulent, turbulent solution. So in many of these flows, the flow could choose to be laminar, it could choose to uh, obey this solution of Navier-Stokes, or it could choose to obey that solution of Navier-Stokes. And so, and it could choose several solutions in between, which are transitioning between laminar and turbulent. And uh, so each of these solutions has what is called a basin of attraction. 
So depending on my initial conditions, I can fall into one trap or the other trap, or I could fall into yet another trap. So But can you say priori that this is this is this has a larger basin of attraction to become turbulent or larger ba- basin yeah, of attraction so what, to become laminar? What typically happens is when the Reynolds number, that means the inertia, right. becomes larger and larger and larger, the basin of attraction of the laminar flow shrinks and shrinks, and the basin of attraction of turbulent flow grows and grows. So there's always an infinitesimal basin of attraction for the laminar state since again, it's still a solution. And again, are you able solution. to think of this or model this in probability terms? uh it's i mean in terms of the sizes of the basins of attraction you can pull out a probability but if you knew the initial conditions exactly you should know on which side of the uh of the separatrix you are between the two basins of attraction yeah. so if you're a give on a given side of the separatrix you will fall into turbulence ultimately your route may be entirely different but you'll fall into a similar state so the route depends on geometry it depends on uh you know uh, situations like what's the salinity gradient what's the temperature gradient the route depends on a whole variety of things so you will not always have and are you a, are you ever able to model all of these exhaustively because they can be any number of variables aren't there so for given kinds of flows you try to model it reasonably exhaustively mm-hmm. we are not there yet like humans are not there yet but we are getting there so for example the simple problem of flow in a pipe right you switch on your motor every day and you take water from your sump to your overhead tank right. that's just flow through a pipe we don't know the turbulent state very clearly there we don't know the transition very clearly so there. something like that but how many variables would it have now obviously one can come up with all kinds of things but if you had to model that perfectly the if nature of flow if you had to flow, model that perfectly you'd have a very very large number of variables like 10 100000 way more Oh, way more than that. Way more, but uh, <laughs> but uh, but uh, the route to uh, chaos you can measure. I mean, in, in every stage of that route, you can describe it by a finite number of modes. Sure. So this I think the you... notion on which I want to come to you, Arun, if possible, is I think both with Somitra and with Rama, we've touched upon this notion of sensitivity, this hypersensitivity to initial conditions, hypersensitivity to. what is that for you at a somewhat metaphysical level because just very slight differences in the variable values are just tipping it into very very different directions uh what is that is that a, is there a way of thinking about those kind of systems or that characteristic of systems i guess you know newtonian mechanics has given us this impression that somehow the cause you know somehow we should even ask this question yeah there's somehow the <laughs> cause must in some way be commensurate to the effect you know the cause must in somehow be commensurate be kind of there must be some kind of commensurability between cause and effect and what really boggles our mind with things like chaos theory is that a small change is causing a very drastic that is a small cause relatively speaking is causing an effect that is rather large and this kind of is intuitively for us you know given that we are in the within the ethos of modern physics it's a little kind of you know difficult to comprehend but chaos theory is kind of making us or forcing us to refine our intuitions about nature about our, our our intuitions about reality so this is what i would say about the sensitivity problem but you remember that this is something that we are talking about within the ambit 
of a very specific discipline. We are talking about modern physics here, fluid mechanics, all of these. But can one think of, of systems in general? That's what I'm trying to kind of. So if we expand this to, for example, human history, mm -hmm. you know, if you look at historical events, historical events are always in that sense chaotic. You know, small changes, small events can have drastic consequences. That's the nature of history. That is what it means to say something is historical. But that's the you opposite know? of teleology in, in many ways, no? That's the opposite of the more teleological view where Absolutely. you know that you're tending to in this direction. Absolutely. No, what is more interesting about teleology is that, and I want to kind of contrast this to what Professor Shomitro very nicely said, that somehow the past determines the future, you know? And he said that chaos theory was a kind of way out of this. Otherwise, we are in a hyper-deterministic system. So what teleology does, and this is what is interesting, is that it is actually the future that it is determining the, the present. present. Because what is teleology? Teleology is a kind of purpose that I have. I'm working towards a certain purpose, a certain goal. I'm working to fulfill a certain goal. That goal is not here. That goal is not somewhere. The goal is something never, it's, it's not present. But it is still kind of determining what I actually do. And this is the nature of human praxis. You know, this is the nature of all human action. You know, we act towards a certain idea of how things ought to be and yet that future is not present but it is determining one can say it is kind of causing what we do you yeah. know but we don't have that sense of cause I, anymore. i'm sure it's the gone. scientists are squirming at the mention of the word teleology <laughs> exactly. but uh, is there yes because there? <laughs> because teleology has the obvious religious underpinning no that's uh, but is there, is, there, is, that, there, that angle. Yes. is there any element of the future in the present in your uh, yes. equation, in, 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 you in a teleological sense, future is determining the past, while causality says the past determines the future. Sure, of course. Right. So the cause is always before the effect. Well, that's so causality that's the, versus that's, that's teleology that's in a way. Now, science strongly believes in causality. So we cannot do any science unless we believe in causality. We find the cause of everything that happens. And there must be some kind of a law that is going that that is that is taking the the which is at where the which is where I'm not asking the, the big box question, which is where we're trying to go into either one of your circuits or one of your somewhat relatively small settings and just looking at equations that you see in a piece of paper on on your computer to say that is there in, is are there tendencies to your systems to your models is there a tendency to go towards a certain thing in the future. Uh, so, you know what I mean? So, I can give you a simple example of, uh, you know, the flow near four-point vortices. So what Near four-point vortices? Yeah, so I cannot describe mean? the entire flow there, but let me just take four little points where there's vorticity, where mm -hmm. there's rotationality, and elsewhere the flow is irrotational. Mm -hmm. In this example... So, like four corners of a carom board. Yeah, you can take four corners of a carom board which are spinning around sure. in a certain way. And then like there are certain fixed points in this system. So like if I start at time equal to zero at one of the fixed points mm -hmm. and I march towards the other fixed point. Mm -hmm. And then I say like, okay, suppose I'm going to say the fixed point that's in the future mm -hmm. is the guy that's determining where I was today. So I try to test that out by marching backwards from the future fixed point to this fixed Correct. point. And do they but, converge? 
the trajectories can be different and the trajectories <laughs> are different when you're chaotic so this is called the crossing of manifolds hmm. so a stable and an unstable manifold cross each other an infinite number of times and they do not coincide so this is uh, exactly in contradiction to teleology so you would you agree with that shomitra yeah i mean science hence would proved, not uh, line with teleology shomitra is delighted that you've <laughs> come up with an example which proves it no that is that is interesting so your point arun is that it is our intuition which is probably heavily classical as opposed to um nature yeah, being this yeah, way or yeah, that yeah yeah no the the point is not to kind of rehabilitate teleology you know the point is to show that people thought in different ways you know mm. we think of science in a very very specific way you know we should not kind of assume that science somehow just dropped from space you know? yeah <laughs> it is a historical emergence it was found know? on the ground and scientists have gradually sharing it with each other <laughs> exactly. and the non human beings you know, no you know then we verge on the realms of conspiracy theory you know alien beings kind of taught us science or something like that no it's a strictly kind of historical phenomenon but then cannot... but then but then how does uh, spontaneous stuff happens because spontaneity is in a way kind of interesting where you know maybe there's no cause maybe there's no purpose you know there is something which is only in the present radically only in the present you know what i mean can there be ruptures can be can there be things which come neither from the past nor from the uh, future yeah i guess what we are talking about is something that cannot be fixed into say a causal order yeah something that kind of because even exceeds. teleology is some kind of a causal order yes something that transcends causal order and in philosophy there is in 20th century philosophy there is a big debate between what would you say what constitutes a process mm-hmm. and what constitutes an event you mm-hmm. know and uh, how? how to understand an event has become one of the big challenges of 20th century philosophy because an event is something that is by definition not a part of a process it can engender a process it can be the starting point of a process but it is not part of a process what and is process in this process in this is basically you know for example the wonderful examples that we have gotten you know uh take a linear dif- a nonlinear differential equation you know you you put some initial conditions in and you'll be able to get some final conditions out you know take a linear equation you know put x at point t so process is know. something that has entities and mechanisms it's sequential yeah. order you know even if it's non sequential order it is some kind of order you know whereas event is something that cannot be intuited in those terms you know it is something that something's just happen you know how do we understand this you know see what i'm trying to so say so what's is the that, what's the so i know there's been some thinking around this event business so what's the what's the cutting edge on that today i mean where do events come from one one is to say that you know they come out of nowhere and it's neither from the past nor from nor from the future i guess Uh, is there an equivalent of this kind of thing in your your systems the one is to write these equations down and surely we're doing a very good job at them and there's True, a lot but, of but uh, everything in the world cannot be written down happens, in form of equations but you can still see uh sensitive dependence initial just imagine if alexander did not die when he did so uh, the the history of the world would be quite different right so the point is slight change in the initial condition might make in the future entirely different in various domains you don't need to write down differential equations for that you can of course say, you can understand that but the, the problem is that it's yeah. very difficult to test that now in, intuition yes 100% all of us agree that 
if so and so person had not been killed if this country didn't invade that country mm-hmm. in a trivial way maybe even in a way deep way the history would have been very different just that you can't test it yeah you can't test it mm. you can't test it so uh, in order to no, this is something that you cannot test you can understand you can intuitively feel we are going to test but you can argue for it yeah uh, so the the point is that uh, the chaos theory essentially says that determinism even if determinism holds everything need not be predictable yeah that's the essential message that you get out of chaos theory uh, compatibilism that's the is there a way in which and we'll go to a narrower world of electrical circuits mm-hmm. are they non chaotic are they orderly are they straightforward they go from point a to point b in a deterministic kind of way look at things on an oscilloscope it's all nice and clean uh, the things in electrical systems and circuits are not different from other areas in the sense that they are also in all areas we effectively identify certain things that uniquely determine the dynamical status of the system right for a mechanical system these are positions and momenta yeah in electrical circuits currents are voltages that's the only difference so whatever you see in other systems the similar scene things can be seen in electrical circuits and electrical circuits are easier to build so we do experiments whatever theory we develop we test that on a test bed of electrical circuits is there an equivalent circuits. of a double pendulum in in electrical circuits the yeah. smallest chaotic system uh, simplest not exactly chaotic double system. pendulum but most of the you know differential equations that you write to understand that can be mimicked with electronic circuits So what is the simplest electronic or electrical circuit that is chaotic that would have a chaotic behavior simply resistance inductance diode uh connected to a sinusoidal voltage source as you change the uh, amplitude and frequency especially the frequency of the voltage source after some typical value you find that things have become chaotic so it's a very very simple system nothing resistance inductance diode and in this system resistors inductors diode which of these three make it chaotic oh the diode diode is a nonlinear element so the that's only, the active element that's the only nonlinear element in the system similarly people have artificially built so will will so in even in your systems rama is there an equivalent of a diode do you need an active component in a system for it to be chaotic you need something which is nonlinear so in a typical fluid dynamical system what is nonlinear is that let's say the velocity at this place depends on itself on so, itself yeah so like the so then you get products of the velocity how in can these the velocity of something depend on itself so it, it so could it be some kind of depends on gradients of itself for example so those things can come as forces so a droplet could be an active matter it's not an active matter in that sense yeah it's not active matter i would differentiate it from active matter sense but yeah hmm. so like uh, it basically um the only simplest way to say it is th- that it's nonlinear right so, right so in your case uh, this would be the simplest electrical circuit you can build which is chaotic yes but there are many uh something that is known as a chua circuit mm-hmm. which has very very simple linear component and one nonlinear component and that nonlinear component is in, in definitely built in such a way so that it produces chaos so uh there can be uh, there are actually various and in fact hundreds of such nonlinear circuits that have been designed which produce chaotic behavior but remember the point is that ramon just made a same system can have a normal periodic behavior the or, same system or an periodic behavior can we can have a chaotic behavior as you change the parameter 
So it, it is basically the parameter that changes the behavior from one to the other. And obviously, non-linearity itself does not imply chaos, right? No, there are doesn't. Millions of non-linear systems which are not chaotic. Yes. Are there other systems that you? The question I was asking Rama a while ago that you feel or you have an intuition. You've touched upon intuition a few times that you have an intuition for should be chaotic but is not. Well, in our our circuits, kind the kind because of things you make that them yourselves. the the kind of system that we deal with. Uh, supposing I have asked a student to build a circuit. and this guy comes back and says that it's not chaotic what do i do what has happened is that he has built the circuit right he has done everything right it's just the just the parameter which is not right you change the parameter so the frequency has to be higher or something yeah, like it, something it, like that it's just like that you expect that to be chaotic but it was not chaotic because you had not yet set the right parameters okay now in a in a linear system uh, when when i was saying that you have a graph in which you plot Theta and theta and theta one and theta two in two different axes. Right. These are called the phase spaces. Right. So, of course, uh, in a linear system, the behavior is same everywhere in the phase space. Right. While in a non-linear system, it can be different in different parts of the phase space. Right. So it can ha- it can be that in one there part there could be a tractor somewhere. Yeah, it could it have can, there can be behavior. a tractor so somewhere. Similar to the carom board that yeah, what, what Rama described. Similar thing happened in uh, electronic. Chaotic systems, there can be chaotic attractor lurking somewhere, in some basin of attraction, but your initial condition handle has not reached there, and therefore yeah. you are not seeing that. Yeah, you are seeing a very regular behavior, but actually there is a possible chaotic behavior in the system. So all you need to do is to knock yeah. the initial condition into that basin of attraction. I'd like to add another example to this, mm-hmm. which is that you know sometimes you can have flows which are very high Reynolds number, which are not at all uh, turbulent. Oh. For example, if I have flow through a pipe, and then let's say I make a certain narrowing in the pipe of a certain shape, mm-hmm. that will cause acceleration and immediate relaminarization. Right. Although the Reynolds number is very very high. Right. So you can have systems which you believe should be chaotic by looking at the Reynolds, but which are not. and uh, does it have anything to do with state of matter like we we obviously when you say fluid mechanics you think of fluids and liquids but there could be turbulent and chaotic behavior in gaseous systems yes is it totally stupid to think of them in solids or uh, they obviously don't move around like liquids and gases do uh, but does it have anything to do with the state of matter obviously the differential equations are different in different yeah kinds of matter but so, where are yeah, we in that so yeah in in solids you get chaos of a different type uh, most likely shomitros the better person to talk about that but in uh, solid like things like polymeric solutions mm. we also get uh, chaos and that chaos is usually distinct and it's caused by elastic forces mm. in uh, fluids so like even at zero reynolds number very very slow uh, viscoelastic fluids can show chaos so these are systems where it's they so viscous that it's and they're also elastic so they so what is chaotic in those because they're obviously not moving around in that so what what about those kind of solids is chaotic so basically there's vorticity there and there is uh, polymer stretching going on there and these elastic forces are making it completely aperiodic so one has to be a little careful not to confuse chaos and turbulence for very high velocity yes no yes. that's that's the thing yes it could have this same kind of dynamics but it could happen on very very long time scales is that what you mean 
even on short time scales like polymeric solutions uh, give chaos of a different kind and you can have like uh, high frequency uh, things happening that means on very short time scale you can see dynamics and it's not uh, periodic is weather chaotic yes 100% yes that's my belief every part of the world weather is chaotic Yes. And weather is chaotic in a mathematical sense. Correct. Because weather in one part of the world depends on weather in every other part of the world. It's not, you know, a system which is... There are no subsystems. There are no insulated subsystems. But are they somewhat independent? And of course, we have to be careful with fuzzy words with scientists. But yeah. are they somewhat insulated subsystems? Like the Indian monsoon or, you know, some... tornadoes keep happening in north america i mean there are subsystems of some kinds so uh, people do try to model them as, as what you call somewhat insulated in other words they say okay give me just the boundary conditions let's say on the bay of bengal give me all the boundary conditions and i will try to predict something about the bay independent of other uh, uh, the rest of the world and you can do this for short times with limited success so depending on how careful you are with giving the input about the rest of the world still remember you're giving input about the boundary conditions you're not uh, insulating it with a uh, soundproof room or so something so weather is one global system yes so if i if we are to model rainfall in bombay mm. um do you need to know everything about rest of the world presumably not so this is what they call the butterfly effect right uh, but uh, like i said you might be able to suppose one tornado is going to cause the weather in uh, the rainfall in bombay tomorrow so i may be able to give you things to good accuracy by just extrapolating from that one tornado but the creation of that tornado had you know many larger scales on thousands of kilometers events happening on much larger scales going into its formation And how crazy are these equations, Rampa? Like, what's the number of variables? Why is it? Would you say that there are parts of the world where weather is easier to predict than others? So, uh, it's not because the number of variables is any different. But in some parts of the world, we've studied things better and we're able to model it better. So, uh, so you just nowhere... happen to have more data points and, you know, the... Yeah, and you, you can do better extrapolation because... Uh, Uh, we understand more about those things those situations are clouds chaotic yes clouds are turbulent you've gone in an aircraft right yeah you so see so when when the pilot says that we are experiencing turbulent behavior is being scientifically correct yes yes and you're actually entering a cloud when you enter a cloud you feel it <laughs> so when you say weather what is weather a uh, weather is like it could be anything humidity yeah it's a poorly defined thing but normally we think of weather as a short term thing and climate as a long term thing no what i mean rama is that uh, and we will will move from this very soon is that you say clouds are chaotic the cloud cloud mm. formation mm. and clouds as as entities they are chaotic in yeah. in mathematically rigorous ways yes you say that weather is chaotic is is wind chaotic a uh, wind also like you i mean we discussed reynolds number right so when you have a fast wind on a very large scale it's very difficult to imagine that it would be laminar so typically uh, the atmospheric boundary layer is turbulent right 
interesting and as we think of uh, as we hear some of what they're saying around the case of this active diode and uh, some non linear component what is this thing what no, is this me, no for me what I, is this thing that's making i mean at least in that simplest system that somitro described at least we, we can nail it down to this diode with, as being the culprit for creating chaos right i mean fairly so presence of diode does not necessitate that systems would be chaotic but in a system to be chaotic you need to have some active ingredient in this case a diode no but but what is really interesting is that if you look at what chaos meant you know to the ancient greeks it was something that kind of shattered the boundaries of your imagination it was something that could not be conceived but when we are talking about chaos and kind of producing it you know with the help of some really sophisticated machines and using some you know what would you say high mathematical understanding that we human beings today have come to achieve you know what is it, it's very interesting that that chaos itself can be produced is a part of an orderly system by orderly system chaos i don't can mean be created exactly i don't mean by orderly in the sense of a physical system but an orderly system in the it sense can of be produced. human beings it can be produced exactly can be pro- and what is really interesting is why are we so interested in prediction there is a reason because we human beings want to make lives better for us we want to be able to kind of adapt to the situations around us and so if we can kind of know certain law bound behavior in nature you know in reality then we will be able to modulate our own behavior in order to kind of gain from that in order to kind of make life better for us but remember so if we include ourselves into the system remember when we are talking about the systems we are carefully excluding ourselves out of the system that's and that's point. the genius of the scientist you know this is what science is it's the genius of being able to exclude yourself out of the system and observe it in some way but if you kind of include yourself into the picture and call that a system then think of the laws upon which it is based that is you know a, a great you know scientist you know or a great mathematician you know or our interlocutors able to kind of study something then having studied that able to kind of use or apply those law bound or those laws that we have been able to discover for our own ends for for the case of a washing machine or for you know <laughs> and that itself is something i don't know whether that itself can be a part of a predictable system you know so this thing of being able to kind of apply a law in order to generate a certain effect how do we understand that phenomenon you know how do we that's that, that's something that really fascinates me i don't have any answers here i just want to kind of you know bring this to bear upon us you know so chaos can be created you know yes, yes. very robust kind of way yes see uh, normally chaos is not robust in the sense that if you change a parameter it can be chaotic it can run away from there it can it can also go away from that into a periodic behavior so how do you create robust chaos uh, but we have found that if the systems are if we have a system essentially that is, you need large basins in ramas yeah. terms no no not not exactly that mm-hmm. uh, if you have a system that is non smooth mm-hmm. then under certain conditions there can be Locked chaos in. that is robust that means if you change a parameter still it remains chaos why do we need that there are certain applications of chaos 
and in order to have applications you mean for fluid mixing and uh, things fluid mixing is one uh, whenever you want for example right now our mobile phones run on two different techniques one is gsm the other is cdma right and cdma works on the chaotic behavior actually right so it is generated by pseudo random sequences in the in the in the, computer, in the laptop now uh, so chaos has applications now when chaos has applications we need to have robustness because we want it to happen right the other application is that when you have a chaos then the spectrum is spread it doesn't have a peaky spectrum and there are applications for which you need that so it is possible to have robust chaos we have found that are all multi body systems do they have the potential of becoming chaotic good question In all multi body systems have the potential now obviously there are non chaotic systems out there they probably just disorderly disordered systems maybe some yeah after newton solved the two body problem people tried to solve the three body problem and they couldn't for 200 years they tried many people you know tried and died and again another generation tried failed now we understand they are about to die the next generation <laughs> <laughs> now now we understand that they couldn't because not because of their fault because the systems you cannot really write down the solutions for them they are chaotic now is the solar system chaotic that's is a more that that's a more in you know, a pertinent question for us because we live here uh yes we, it we, is we'll be out of here <laughs> no no it is the four of us it is <laughs> it, it it is chaotic in fact about 100 years back one king i don't don't remember which king it was uh announced a prize for some to some scientist who would be able to prove that the solar system is stable yeah and a few scientists submitted solutions one of them was poincare and he got the prize it's a late 1900s yeah and then after some time he retracted that paper saying that there is some <laughs> error there <laughs> and that is uh we now realize that he has realized that there is a problem because solar system can be chaotic now we know it is chaotic only thing is that so when you say it is chaotic scale, yeah when you say it is chaotic you mean that the the orbits in the long run are not the same they keep changing yes but in the long run in the very long run yeah millions uh, of years and billions of years yeah when we say two nearby initial conditions you know go away from each other there's sure. a rate at which they go away from each other that yeah. rate is very small in case of the solar system right but nevertheless it's there right that's why the orbit of the solar system is or orbit of the earth for example is not the same as it was a thousand years back right it is changing uh the spin it, it spins like a top right and that also is not exactly periodic but stuff like that should be changing the weather because your weather is a chaotic system and something is changing in that initial condition or whatever no rama uh, yes but uh, what we humans are doing namely putting carbon dioxide is changing it at so many orders of magnitude more than this small change that yeah. uh, it becomes insignificant is there is there is there an, an analog of this uh, two body three body problem in your world or it doesn't matter our world is like a very many body problem yeah you can think about it that way if you think of the atmosphere and the oceans being made up of many blobs of fluid so why don't we why don't we end with this what's the future what what are the one or two open questions that one can understand better what is the future of our understanding of chaos where where are we likely to be 200 300 years out on this it looks like the many body problem is destined to be what it is probably doesn't have a solution 
to explain what it is but you can give us a peek so mitro what is that and there are some problems that are that have been with us for quite some time and we do not yet have a satisfactory solution of those problems which is the toughest such problem uh for example the 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 fact that everything is made of particles and particles obey quantum mechanics yet the bigger things do not obey quantum mechanics <laughs> or uh, the, the classical laws do not apply to the quantum so uh, so this twilight zone is not very well understood now the fact that all the laws of physics would you say that chaos theory is a candidate for at least trying to resolve that problem people are trying but as yet uh, the success is not there the other problem is that all the laws of physics are time reversible you put minus t in place of t it's perfectly all right so using the newton's laws you can predict the past as well as predict the future perfectly well uh except for one that is the second law of thermodynamics which is not time reversible now if every law of physics including newton's laws maxwell's laws uh, einstein's laws all these are time reversible then where does irreversibility come from so yeah. th- these are questions these are yet not satisfactorily resolved hmm. so that i can tell to anybody that we are yet uh We are far from it. Far from getting it. What's the future, Rama? Is it possible to create a fully well-ordered system? We'll not say world because that's too too big a question. Uh, that I wouldn't want to venture. I would say the answer is no. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, what I would say, and I cannot speak about two hundred years from now. I can say that at least in our lifetimes, we are not going to be able to solve things like the weather exactly. By even though we know the equations, we have to find. Is that is that simply because we're collecting data? We're not. We, I mean, the computers are not powerful enough. Though we know the equations, we can't solve it exactly. So it's a processing power problem. Yes, and that is going to remain a problem for at least a century more, uh, if not way more than that, because there's so many variables in the system. So the we have to find innovative ways of solving this. So scientists have to work towards better and better predictions, and faster computers will help us, you know, solve this for longer and longer in time. Like I Maybe said, before. we need a different kind of computing. We may need a different kind of computing, or like. try to think out of the box to come up with a different way of looking at the problem different way of reducing the problem than we are doing and again to be super clear and we have discussed this a few times rama weather is chaotic not just on earth but anywhere in the universe the nature of weather and what it constitutes is chaotic what's the future arun what's I, the future of our understanding of chaos you've touched you've gone back to the greeks a few times and uh, i think ideas like order and chaos actually kind of you know if we reflect upon what we have been kind of saying and we have been reflecting upon it for quite some time now they help us understand our place in things you know there is always this hubris of human beings to kind of overestimate what they can do you know to kind of pretend that they can control something 
that cannot be controlled you know but when we kind of study things like this in a detailed way you know the scientists are the ones who will kind of tell you know the technocrats you know and uh, what would you say the corporate managers you know about but what Rama. can and cannot be done you know so what what ultimately something like chaos theory or something like understanding order for instance you know mathematical order does is it creates a kind of crisis within the science you know and this crisis is good because this crisis kind of forces you to come to terms with who you are what your discipline is doing and what can it do it it confronts you with the limits of the kind of rationality that is at play there and this is very very important you It's know i think the sophistication you, of a science is directly proportional to the crises that it can suffer do you, you know? end up uh, have you ended up uncovering new kinds of mathematics in the last uh, 50 60 years from the time that lorenz and others thought of chaos theory i mean is chaos theory applied aspects of other kinds of mathematics that have always existed or are you stumbling upon or having to come up with new kinds of math to um mm. understand chaotic systems and model them well mostly chaos theory uses the math that existed before but uh because chaotic systems are what are known as ergodic yeah therefore a whole branch of mathematics called ergodic theory has developed yeah so the chaos theory has also resulted in certain development mathematics iteration theory is another area in which things are uh, developing because of chaos theory so chaos theory is demanding certain developments in mathematics mathematics are coming out with those developments and we are applying that to chaos theory that's how things are happening. and life goes on that's how it is no thanks thanks to all of you for making it and we look forward to having you soon again thank you for coming thank you thank you thank, thank you. you very much thank you